0: see that with with these kind of, this isn't Zoom uh, per se, but it's like Zoom, that it's like the timing of it is so hard. I find myself talking over people even more than I do normally in life and interrupting. It's like the timing of it is just super fun, isn't it?
1: Yes. It's, it's a little bit difficult to navigate. You have to, there's kind of a lag, a delay.
0: Yes, uh, so I'm, I'm trying to learn how to just mellow and be through the lag, you know. Uh, I, I know you come from much more of a television background than I do, but even the bit of my background that's television and radio, it's like there's never supposed to be silence. Uh, but uh, sometimes- so my,
1: my background in talk shows was if anybody ever cried you were silent and you went in for the zoom to get the full okay. impact of the emotion.
0: All right. I didn't know that. Yeah. We'll see, that's, 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 uh, that's how we learn from at the feet of miss Nancy, Nancy Allspot Jackson. <laughs> hey, I'm saying good morning to Vanessa and asking Vanessa, I would love to have an update on what's happening. Uh, so, and then we're saying hello to Badredine. I hope I didn't slaughter your name. What a beautiful name. They're writing to us from Morocco. Nancy. Oh,
1: I've always wanted to go to Morocco.
0: Me too. Yeah. Uh, well, let's put that on the to-do list on the bucket list. Uh, so, but we're here this morning. We're so excited to be with all of you live. We've got some news stories to cover and uh we've got a great guest leah hirschfeld going to be joining us in just a little while she's going to be talking about uh some research that she's done about getting access to medical care and what the research says about that um and how we can remove some of the i'm just moving tabs around on my computer so we can do in the news um and i'm fine that i'm not adept enough to do that so we won't do that um, but anyway, Lee is going to be with us in a little while, but as always, we're looking forward to hearing from all of you. We're live right now. The date is September 10th, uh, nice. 2021. And that happen?
1: How did that happen? Shannon? I know.
0: And I got to say to you, Nancy, and, and by the way, you guys can be writing in right now. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitter and we're live on our homepage, autism-live.com. Uh, And if you're watching us in podcast, please write in on the chat on our homepage, autism-live.com. We're so thrilled to have all of you here with us. But um, this morning, Nancy, I don't know about you, but I was just going around the house and going, oh my gosh. You know, sometimes the housework is so overwhelming to me that it sinks my battleship. And I was just...
1: That's why I try to avoid it at all costs, Shannon.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and especially... You know, I I'm one of those people that it, it's taken me forever to try to be able to have somebody come in my house to afford it first of all, but to mentally be able to do that to let somebody come into my house and clean. And I had just gotten there right before COVID hit. Like I think we'd had somebody come three times, Nancy, and I was like, I am never cleaning my own house again. I have so much more time to do more projects and. I get what everybody says about, you know, if you can get there to the wet, you know, and then COVID hit and we've not had somebody we've been doing it ourselves. And I'm, I, I gotta be honest. I'm not quite ready to welcome somebody else into our house yet, but I'm getting there because sometimes the housework is so overwhelming and it becomes the whole picture for me that I, that I will tell you that life is miserable, that I'm a failure, that I can't accomplish anything because my house isn't straight. And, and then I looked at the date and realize that it is the day before the 20th anniversary of 9/11, and I gotta say, it. I I had a moment of peace where I thought, you know, it's not gonna say on my tombstone she didn't prioritize housework, um, and that when you think about all the things that are important in life, the housework is not the story. That was the sort of moment that I had this morning.
1: Well, I'm, I'm uh, with you on that, and we have some. We have some comments here. you've got an update on Tori. well, first of all, we can go to Morocco because I, I'll butcher the name as well. We have somewhere to, to visit now.
0: Yes, a father, absolutely
1: adolescent uh,
0: yes, and we're we're thrilled that you're here and that um, and that you are a dad. We love our moms, but we love our dads too. so so, so they, thrilled that you are here. So Nancy, next, I also have have, update.
1: Do you want to read that, Shannon?
0: Yeah. So uh, for those of you who have been following uh, Tori Ridgeway, we've been following his story. He is the incredible young man who got a full ride scholarship from the ROTC Navy to attend an amazing school. that's very expensive. And in his essay, he talked about all the things that he has overcome being on the autism spectrum. So it wasn't like they didn't know. And then uh, he got the scholarship, got the full ride. news, covered it. That he got the full ride scholarship. And then they came back months later after he could no longer apply for more scholarships and said, oops, um, sorry, you're not eligible because you're on the autism spectrum and took his full ride scholarship away. Uh, last we had heard they had appealed and we were asking for people to make donations because mom and dad, you know, didn't want to hold him up and say, take a year off. So he's already started school, you guys, and mom and dad, you know, I mean, like talk about being in a difficult position, they need to raise some funds. And there is uh, a, a fundraiser where you guys can donate and Uh, Maybe, uh, Vanessa, if you can remind us of the website, Traven will will share it, how for them. But I asked for an update and she said, good morning all, over the past three weeks, Tori has had the opportunity to participate in Naval Reserve Officers Training Corps, the NROTC. He has taken the time to ask all the right questions about his future in the Navy as a commissioned officer. Tori has concluded that his gifts and talents would be more appreciated in a world that is more inclusive. He is no longer interested in military service. He is shifting his attention to his aerospace engineering degree and all that Embry-Riddle has to offer. We support Tori's decision hundred percent and couldn't be more proud of him. The best is yet to come and thank you all for your support. So uh, that breaks my heart. And I I just, I have to say, as much as I um, appreciate our military services, I think this is a stain on their record. I think they, um, what a loss for them. Um, but what a gain for aerospace. And I'm so proud of you, Vanessa and Tori for making this decision, but it does mean that this family is going to need some help and support to get this kid through school. So it's the Tori R Go Fund. Uh, and, and I think Traven is going to be putting up, he may already put it. My thing won't scroll at the moment. Um, so please make your donations because this young man has been through it. Um, there it is. Trayvon's got it up on all the sites. So I thank you all of you, um, for make a donation of any size. Let's remember that $5, um, is, you know, if everybody gave $5, Tori would not have a problem and Tori could go to school. We're not asking anybody to cover the whole thing. Although if you've got it and you want (laughs) to, Go for it, Um, but please make donations if you can. The it's the the GoFundMe is right now on all of our sites on which we're live. So uh, and Vanessa says I'm still fighting to change the procedure, Uh, and I appreciate that Vanessa said that another person doesn't have to go through this. Uh, But we're sending you blessings and hugs and congratulations to Tori for making such a difficult decision, but for knowing what's right for him. Uh, It's just so unfortunate. It makes me want to put my head down and cry, Nancy.
1: I know. I'm with you.
0: Um, But um, thank you so much for the update, Vanessa. Please, everybody, donate. I did. I donated. Put my mouth where my money was. Money where my mouth was. Um, And if anybody else is having experience like these, Vanessa has uh, left her email on Facebook for you guys um, that if you have experiences and want to write to her, um, to tell her about them because at some point they're going to have to uh, address this, right? We can't let them off the hook for this. Right. All right. We're going to move on to In the News because I want to make sure we have time for Leah Hirschfeld. And I'm not sure which story I sent you first. Was it the-, uh, the A the very
1: disturbing story, Shannon. There are actually two very disturbing stories we had yes. today. Yes. I was in a good mood until I saw these. Yes. This is out of Howell, Michigan. A teen with autism was severely beaten at Howell High School and a bystander recorded it on their phone. Yeah. The video is now evidence in a criminal investigation. And you can take a look at that on the Fox 2 Detroit website. There's a lot of
0: sites that have the video. I I do have to caution everybody. The video is very disturbing. it can be very triggering. It's so, I think it's, I think it's every parent's fear, right? Absolutely. Um, you it's know, your fear, you're,
1: it's one of my greatest fears.
0: Mine too, still, um, I got to say. And and it's just like, you know, random people that for whatever reason, I, you know, the video, something must have happened before the video starts. Because when it starts, you can see that there already something's going on. But you see these two thugs, and that's what I'm going to call them, thugs, uh, teenagers who attack this young man and kick and punch him and steal his shoes and run away with his shoes. And the worst is that you can hear him, you know, um, yelling out in pain as the blows land. And, you know, I appreciate that the school has said, this is absolutely inappropriate. We can't condone this. Uh, We have, uh, we have the video, it's being used in a criminal investigation and that no one has said whether these two teens will be charged as adults. And I don't, um, you know, I don't really know which is more effective, uh, charging them as adults, as teens. I don't really know. I feel so bad for this young man. I feel so bad for his family. I have to be honest that there is a part of me that I feel bad for the parents of these kids that did this because, um, I, I want to believe that they didn't raise their children to be this way. Um, and that they must feel, you know, this tall. Um, but I think it's a wake up call for everybody. Um, I, I think it's important that, um, you know, there were news reports about this where people in the community said it's so shocking at this particular high school because this particular high school school has been actually good at doing trainings with their students about inclusion mm-hmm. and that this is kind of particularly shocking that this happened here. Um, so, uh, and that the entire community is hurting. I hope, Nancy, wow. that this turns into a learning moment because because it, it feels just horrible that at a high school that a kid could just get jumped and be treated this way. And look, you know, I don't, I I don't want to condone anything or excuse anything, but if you're stealing shoes, um, and if that was what your motive was, you can see that it was much more than that because you can knock somebody down and steal their shoes and you're still a thug by the way, if you're doing that, but they did so much more than that. And there were even extra blows that they made sure that they got in, you know, after they already had the shoes. So these these uh, perpetrators, these thugs are going to be in a world of hurt. I hope I hope because they need to learn that this is not the way the world works. Uh, I'm with you, Vanessa. It's absolutely heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Nancy, did you have other thoughts about this, except just you know, I, think,
1: I think it's all the more heartbreaking because as you said, this Howell School had a reputation for inclusion and amazing programs. And, and the school is in shock and disbelief that this could have happened
0: at their school, but it shows you it can happen anywhere. And I gotta say, I always have trouble with, you know, somebody was standing there videotaping and I'm like, why didn't you do something? But the truth of the matter is, is that the reason why th- this is going to stop is because they stood there and videotaped it. And I know that, look, we just went through this with George Floyd and the people who videotaped and the, and the guilt that they feel. And yet the videotape is the thing that makes sure that, you know, everybody believes that this happened and they can't man be pamby it. It's such a hard line for me. Um, so on the one hand, I so appreciate that they videotaped it, but man, I feel bad for that kiddo that nobody stepped in for it. I know. Well, we'll, um, we'll stay
1: on top of this story as it develops and what happens to the perpetrators. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they are charged with and what yes. their punishment will be. Shannon, the next story is an interesting one out of England, yeah. uh, at a very well health, uh, spectrum 10 K. Uh, which is a, the largest study ever done, I believe, in, in Great Britain, yeah. um, in the United Kingdom, of autistic people. And uh, there's some, not. it's not without controversy.
0: Yeah, um, this is one of those, I, I, to me, this is another heartbreaking story, I gotta be honest. Um, and, and I, and we've included another story after to kind of even it out. Um, But, you know, listen, I've experienced this before, too, where we've had good intentions about something and said, you know, we want to do something at Autism Live and we have good intentions about it. And then someone on the spectrum will come and say, yeah, you know what? That's got some problems for me. And it's always heartbreaking because I know what our intention is. Um, but I just want to remind us all how important it is that we, we have to have a baseline of listening to people on the autism spectrum, but I think we have to work on finding a middle ground. And so here is this study and the study, um, is, is being done by people that I consider to be very reputable, that one of the lead investigators on this is Simon Baron Cohen.
1: Yeah, he's been a world-renowned expert on autism for decades.
0: But there are people on the autism spectrum that don't uh, always agree with what Simon Baron Cohen has come out with and find that their experience is different because when you've met one person on the autism spectrum, you've met one person on the autism spectrum. But for those of you who don't know Simon Baron Cohen, who is Sasha Baron Cohen's cousin, uh, if you're finding the names, like, why does that sound familiar? They're actual cousins, um, but he is the person who brought forth the theory of mind and that you could teach individuals on the autism spectrum to understand other people's perspective. Well, and there are people on the autism spectrum who say, you know, I, I'm on the spectrum and I don't have a problem with theory of mind. I understand people's perspectives better than other people. But I, ha- I think we have to remember that that's not everyone on the autism spectrum. And so it's very hard because I don't think that everybody remembers to put an asterisk after every sentence. And Simon Baron Cohen has put out a lot about people on the spectrum having, you know, first discovering that, they, that there are some people on the spectrum who have difficulty with perspective taking and that you can teach it. But there are, there are some self-advocates who, you know, it would, it would be like somebody going on the news and saying, well, all women hate cleaning. Right, And and a bunch of us would be like, yes, that's true. But there would be some women who go, no, 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 I love cleaning. Right. There's just it's just so hard to, like, say across the board all anything. Right. So there are people who don't appreciate Simon Baron Cohen because of that. Um, But and he's involved in this study. And it's a big genetic study where they there's part of it that's a survey and part of it where they're taking DNA samples. And it's not only people on the autism spectrum that they're taking DNA samples from, but they're asking, which if you're interested in doing this, we would love as many people in your family to do this as possible. Now, to me, this is exciting research. To me- yeah,
1: And it, it's actually, it's a very large study. It's mm-hmm. um, 10,000, I believe. Where did I, I just had, had the number. Um, and it's also in conjunction with UCLA,
0: Shannon. Yes. And, um, and so, you know, I, this excites me because I'm all about looking at the DNA and starting to understand things in a different way. We've talked before on the show about 23andMe and all the things that they're discovering because this large pool of people have put their DNA into 23andMe. Now, I have friends who say, I'm never going to do 23andMe because I don't know what they're going to. And do you realize when you do that, you sign away a thing and they can, you know, they can disclose your DNA, you know, and find all these things. And there are all these things to worry about. And I personally have said, oh, I love it. I love it. Please use my DNA. And if you find a distant relative who's a murderer and convict them because of my DNA, (laughs) woohoo, you know, you know what I mean? And so I'm thrilled about it. And recently we covered a story on this show about how one of the things they've discovered though, is that 23andMe has been you know, mostly people who are Caucasian. And that as they are beginning to find people who are from different um, ethnic backgrounds, especially people who are um, their ethnicities of color that they're finding some very different things DNA wise that are gonna have huge impact on medical procedures and what medicine is appropriate and who's more likely to have certain disorders and, and that it becomes this thing of, we wanna have more people put more DNA in to know more things. So that personally excites me, but the self advocates are very concerned and saying that they, that. Uh, Spectrum ten K has not been that they want them to fully disclose what they're planning to use the DNA for. They're frightened. They are concerned that later on it will mean that there will be people who will abort babies because they're able to see that DNA. They're more likely to have autism. Right. They we are- know.
1: We know this was the case with Down syndrome. Um, yes, it, this is not a very difficult, in fact, to find uh, children with Down syndrome because of the fact that uh, amniocentesis has led to so many abortions, yes. uh, once autism has been diagnosed there. Um, the response from the autism community has been so strong that there is a hashtag, uh, stop spectrum 10 K that has
0: developed about this. And I, and it's hard because I can see both sides of it. I, I, you know, um, Sasha Baron Cohen is quoted in this article as saying, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's basically says, so what you, you don't want us to ever do genetic testing on autism. Are you, because it could lead to a lot of breakthroughs in terms of healthcare. Um, and I see where he's coming from, but I also, you know, really want to listen to uh, people on the spectrum with their opinions. I think it's super important to note that it's not everybody's opinion that a lot of people have already signed up for it and are excited to do it and their families are excited to do it. And they, and they're thrilled that their DNA is going to be taken and used in this way. I, I can say that, you know, when, when our son was diagnosed, Nancy, we wanted to take part in studies. We were like, please let, let, you know, our experience be useful to people after us.
1: Yeah. Wyatt, we took part in studies, several, uh, one involving hyperbaric oxygen chambers. We did that study at CARD. Uh, We've done several studies when Wyatt was younger.
0: And, And in most of those studies, now the hyperbaric chamber was slightly different because there was the potential for it to have a benefit directly to the children that were in that study. The hope was that it would. But a a lot of times you participate in a study and you understand that you don't know what the outcome is gonna come from it, but even if it's the best outcome, it's not gonna have a direct benefit to your family, to your child, or to you. That you're you're donating your time and, you know, in this case, your DNA, in the hopes that somewhere down the line, it will lead to a breakthrough for another person. I appreciate that the self-advocates are saying very poignantly there are those of us who need help now and you're spending money on something that's an if for the future and that there should be more things to benefit individuals right now. I appreciate that. And I, I hear that. Um, I think they're different. I think, you know, um, when you're talking to people who do research, there are very few research things that have a, a for sure benefit right now because if, it, if we knew for sure it had a benefit right now we wouldn't need to research it um and so i it's hard i think that this is really hard but i but i think people should read up on it i think people should form their own opinions about it i think people should if you're registering to do spectrum 10k you should inform yourself about what it is so that and they they have something called informed consent before you do something that you should know. Um, but if you're comfortable with it, I personally, I think if they can get to a place where they disclose what they're trying to do, um, for people on the spectrum, by the way, they've been very clear that they, that this research is not seeking to cure autism or to do anything to harm anybody on the autism spectrum. That is not the motive of this research. They've been very clear about that. But the advocates are saying, but what will the research be used for once you've done this? Uh, And I think that's a harder thing to answer. Uh, But I hope they can sort it out because I I feel like the research is pretty important.
1: We better move on or we won't have time for Leah.
0: Yeah. But so for the other for the other side of this, though, we, I just wanted to cover a, a, I think a really strong voice to be listening to right now. And we've reached out to see if he will at some point be on the show. There's a journalist who happens to identify as being on the spectrum himself. And he has a new book out that everybody's talking about. It's on my reading list, um, to be able, uh, to read soon, but I haven't gotten to it yet. But again, we have reached out to see if he will be on the show. Nancy, do you know who I'm talking about?
1: Eric Garcia has written a book called We're Not Broken. Shannon, I wasn't able to access this story because I've reached my limit for free reads on the New York Uh Times without subscribing. So you'll have to tell us a little bit more about Eric Garcia. It's called
0: We're Not Broken, Changing the Autism Conversation. I love the title. And this is in the New York Times. And I want to encourage people to go to the article, which I cannot pull up at the moment myself, not because I've reached my limit, but because it won't come up. Um, But I've heard from so many of my friends on the autism spectrum to say, this is the book to read right now. And in this article with the New York Times, which I read previously, um, he, you know, he says, I didn't want to write one more memoir about what my experience was. He said, I really wanted to talk about changing the conversation about people thinking that we need to be fixed. And that it, you know, uh, he's, I think he's really touched on a nerve for a lot of people who are on the spectrum who say this is part and parcel of the problem. That, and now I will say this, you know, he's, he's not opposed to people growing and learning I think he's got a very measured voice from everything that I've read so far, the excerpts that I've read and and the interviews that I've read. He's not saying don't treat someone, don't help them, you know, leave them in, you know, in the stasis that they're in and let them suffer in that. That's not what um, his message is, but it's, it's about, you know, we don't, if you don't know how to do long division, we don't consider you broken. Right. We teach you how to do long division, but nobody goes, Oh, geez. Well, I don't know. Uh, the fact that you, you know, showed up in the planet and don't know long division. Uh, there must be something wrong with you and allowing people to be neurodiverse and still learn and grow, but be treated with respect and dignity. Um, so. I think that it's a conversation that needs to be had. But I think for people who are frustrated, I hear people say all the time, well, I'm so frustrated with self-advocates because what exactly do they want? I think if you're in that boat, that this is the book to read. This is what I've been told. And um, and there's a great interview with him in the New York Times right now that I think illustrates this um, very poignantly. Would love to um, get him
1: on the show. Let's hope we can get him on the show.
0: Yeah, I, I have reached out to him. And then sadly uh, um, on the worst note, but we're going to, um, I, I'll tell you what, this, um, this story about a, a woman who, uh, all I can think is that she is severely mentally ill, who yeah. in the past has passed herself off as different forms of an expert working and, and is now working with an ABA provider and for a while was passing herself off as a board certified behavior analyst and actually stole, they get a number that is their um, licensure number. And she stole more than once somebody's licensure number and the person reported it. Um, And yet somehow she continues to be employed at an autism center who who has actually, they've actually the quote, I don't know if you can find it, Nancy, in the article, But they said, we're aware of her past transgressions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that, you know, that they're Christians and they believe in forgiveness. Uh, That was shocking to me.
1: I mean, this woman not only falsified her credentials and took a name of someone that was not her own, she was running, she was a convicted felon, Shannon
0: yes I, I do want to say that the felony was not anything harming children but she stole from family members and you know did things that were not appropriate she's a felon but I want to I want to note that it had nothing to do with harming children because I think we all go oh my god you know a, a convicted felon um, but the fact that she is still employed by this center and families have reached out and I just don't understand that. We They're just now say saying, them. well, go ahead.
1: Right, Shannon, we do have to say though that families have had, sent their children to this center, have reported their children coming home with bruises and yeah. regression. So this is really, and this is right outside
0: of Detroit. Um, so this is extremely disturbing. It's it true. is very disturbing. And so the quote that they said Uh, was we are aware of Miss Diskin's past. As an organization founded by Christians, we believe in forgiveness and redemption and that she has been an exemplary employee since she was hired. I don't like, I'm sorry, it's not funny, but I don't know how you could say that somebody's been an exemplary employee when they came in and said that they were a licensed BCBA and now you found out that they're not. If that's exemplary, I'm worried. Um, so you know it is beyond awful, and uh, this the, some a spokesperson for the center also uh, said that they felt that this is a disgruntled parent, and I thought, well, yeah you know, a disgruntled parent would be upset if you were passing somebody off as a BCBA, then found out they weren't, kept them employed, changed their status on your website so that it doesn't say BCBA. But at some point they said to your families that she was a BCBA and passed herself off as an autism expert and is still running a program.
1: Yeah. Um, and, And I think even more disturbing is not just one, but several families have reported their children coming home with marks and bruises. So that certainly needs to be investigated, whether it's related to this woman or not, there's obviously something wrong here.
0: Horribly wrong. And, you know, we always say to people, you want to be working with a licensed BCBA, a board certified behavior analyst, and that you can go to BACB.com and you can look up to see if they're licensed. Well, the problem is that this woman stole another woman's license. Now, their name was different than hers, her, and, but she would when when parents would look her up and say, "So, are you so and so?" And she would say, "Oh, yeah, that's my maiden name." Uh, I think we're all going to have to be careful and be looking out for that in the future. But can I tell you that in in the time that my son was getting therapy, I never looked up somebody's licensure on on, uh, BACB.com. Nor did I. I
1: trusted, I trusted the organization.
0: The, the, yes, the, the, you know, your provider, I trusted them to have researched it. And what we're finding out is that for this provider, at some point they found out that it was a lie and still have this woman working for them. I don't understand that at all. And this is all allegedly, this is what's being reported. Um, I, you know, but. Yes. Uh, Vanessa says that program needs to be investigated. And I would say that if people are having these kinds of issues, they should seriously look at whether they're in, I would not want my child to be with someone who clearly has a problem understanding what the truth is. Uh, and not just a little bit, a lot, um, because then your child comes home with bruises and you say what happened now, there are a lot of things that could happen in a day that a child gets a bruise. And they're not all like the worst possible mm-hmm. thing in the world, but how would you trust and believe anybody if there's somebody who has an interesting relationship with the truth? I I wouldn't put my, I, you Here
1: know, you. nor would I.
0: Yeah. Uh, so anyway, horrible, horrible, horrible. We have Leah Hirschfeld with us. Um, actually I think she's going to come right back. I don't know if she's back yet. Um, and, uh, she is, uh, wonderful. And we usually welcome her about once a month and, oh, she's back, but she still has no camera, So I think we might be having her sound only. So Leah, are you there?
2: I am. Can you guys hear me? We
0: can, can we hear you? you. We have a lovely oh. picture of Leah. We can use that. <laughs> I, that would I, be great. <laughs> there we go. So, Leah, tell them a little bit about you and what you do at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders.
2: Of course. It's so weird not having my camera. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, I don't know what's yeah. going on with my computer today. But um, yeah, so I, like Shannon said, I get to come on usually monthly, and it's just the most, ple- like, biggest pleasure of my month. Um, and I am a research coordinator at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. So what that means is I get to ask questions and answer those questions with data, and I get asked questions by families and patients and our um, clinicians. And then I generally run around trying to get them the best answers that science can provide. Um, and then we try to give the best scientifically valid um, care that we can to our patients and the communities we serve. Um, so it's it's quite a pleasure, and I really enjoy it. And then, at you know, in the end of every month I get to come on here and try to share my knowledge with with everyone over
0: here so it's pretty great and can I just say how much I love what you do because I don't don't know of any I don't know other ABA provider besides card that has a position like this that you know any one of the staff can come to you and say what do we know about this what does the research say about this and they don't have to go do the run and do the legwork you do it and help them interpret and I also love that um, on a regular basis, you guys do share things, stories that are in the news with all of us that keep us up to date on what's happening. But not only what's lovely, you guys, is that they put out a n- newsletter and they tell us about a research study, but then they condense it into ways that um, we can consume it. People that are that are working in this field, which is how we got to this, because we were like, well, we should be sharing that with the the audience. Right. And, um, so this is our little slice of that newsletter. If you guys have questions about research, make sure that you're writing in because Leah and the rest of the research team loves to come on and answer your questions about that. So Leah, we had to reschedule you, um, uh, from a couple of weeks ago. So remind me what the topic is that we're talking about this morning. I think Absolutely. I'm sure.
2: Yeah, of course. And I'll reiterate again, Shannon, what you said. Um, Yeah, everyone, anytime I get to introduce myself and tell them who or what I work for or do, people are very confused because you almost never see private research like this. So it's very, very special that Card does it. Um, And yes, I take questions from the audience. Um, I usually don't answer them immediately on air and I usually come back in a few weeks and answer. But please, please, please write in. Um, You make my job easier. But also then I can make sure I'm giving you guys the information you want. Um, so please write in any questions you have. Um, and if anything's urgent or more urgent, you don't have to wait for the four weeks. That is the turnaround of the show for when I come on. Um, but you can always email Shannon or myself at research at center for Um, autism and related Um, I always forget what the end of it, but I think it's the whole name of the organization. Um, and you can always email us. We'll always answer. Um, it might take a week, but we'll always get back to you with any questions. So we're always a resource for everyone um, who has anyone with autism. So, of course.
0: Muted. Oop, and now oh I can't. Gosh. Now Trayvon, I'm here. Trayvon and I were both unmuting me at the same time, which double-negated me out. Uh, so remind us what today's topic is. It's access Absolutely. to healthcare, right?
2: Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah, so one of the questions that we received from a, um, I think a parent or a community member asked, do individuals with autism receive less quality health care or less access to health care? There's my picture. That's an older picture, there but I are. love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, we had a question about, you know, do individuals with autism receive less quality health care or less access to health care? Um, and the answer is yes to less access and probably yes to less quality, unfortunately. Um, and so today what we'll go through is um, I'll go through and I'll talk about a paper that came out this year, and this is what I typically try to do, and so does anyone else on my team, um, we'll come on. We usually try to pull a paper that came out in 2021, 2020, maybe 2019, um, so that it's the most up-to-date information. And then we'll kind of walk through what the researchers found, what, how to kind of parse all that information, some takeaways, um, and some action items that uh, folks might be able to do. Um, so this one, this paper was published this year in 2021. It's by Malik Sony and colleagues. And it's about healthcare access barriers for individuals, and they go from diagnosis to adulthood. So they looked at folks from zero all the way up to adulthood. Um, And this one specifically was a literature review. And what that means is that the authors conducted an extensive search of um, currently published paper to determine what's going on. Um, And I really love literature reviews because it means that instead of just looking at one paper, you're getting possibly a broader analysis and a broader look at the current current literature. Um, So anytime I try to come on or anytime I try to make a point to anyone, I try to look for a literature review because I say, look, this is a decade's worth of research summed up here. There's also great single studies and things like that. Um, but so these researchers included publications that were released by autism focused non-governmental agencies. I include that here because a lot of the times literature reviews are by um, you're only including peer reviewed articles. And that means that those papers went through a very rigorous search and, and uh, whole process. Um, so the researchers would have sent in a paper. The journal sends that paper out to other people to review it. They ask a ton of questions. Those researchers get the question back. Then they resolve those questions, and then it finally gets published. That's a peer-reviewed paper. Um, and that's usually what a literature review is. And also, that was included in this one, but then this group also included autism-focused non-governmental agencies. So there's a lot of information here. Um, and they looked at everything post-2010, so it's the last decade's worth of research. And basically what they did was they looked at a bunch of barriers, and then they also looked at some age barriers. And then I'll talk about some so what and some takeaways. Um, So first off, unfortunately, there is a shortage of healthcare services. So if you're a family that lives outside of a city, you're probably going to have less access to specialists and services. This unfortunately can lead to clinician burnout and long wait times for diagnosis and treatment. Um, It also adds some additional challenges for the family. There can be challenges to get to the service center because there's long drive times and time commitments. There is this really cool tool. I haven't used it, um, and it's really long, so bear with me. It's called the Extension for Community Healthcare Outcomes, Echo, Autism Screening Tool for Autism in Toddlers and Young Children, Stat. That's the a- acronym. So I think this is called the Echo Stat, but it's the whole name is Extension for Community Healthcare Outcomes, Autism Screening Tool for Autism in Toddlers and Young Children. Um, that's a mouthful, but that, what, this is, what this tool does is it aims to connect local ph- physicians with autism experts to assistance screening, diagnosis, and treating individuals in non, non-urban areas. So if you're um, not getting the time you want, but you have a family doctor or, or a primary care physician who just doesn't necessarily have the expertise in autism, you might be able to go to them and say, listen, I heard about this tool. It's called the ECHOSTAT and it'll connect you and us to an autism expert to help with screening, diagnosing, and treating. Um, I don't know what happens with insurance and things like that, but it's something at least to talk to about and might give you an option if you're waiting for a very long time for a specialist. Um, transitioning over, you also have a problem, unfortunately. Can, with- we
0: go, can we stop for just a second and go back over that? Because I think yeah. that that's pretty important because so many people are having difficulty accessing assessments right now and getting diagnosis. So if they're having a hard time, where do they call? So if they're
2: having a hard time, again, there, this is called, I think you can just Google EchoStat, which is much easier than the extension for community Healthcare outcomes, okay. autism screening tool for autism and toddlers and young children, which I am having a hard time not laughing at because it's very long. But if you Google that Echo Stat, you can look into it. It should be able to connect local physicians. So if you have a family physician or a PCP that you can go and take this tool and say, let's connect with them. Let's call them and they'll connect you to an autism expert to assist in screening, diagnosing, and treating individuals. That's crazy great. It's crazy great. I I think there's still probably long wait times. I'm hoping there's not, but it's at least a tool to definitely check out. Okay.
1: Leah, I have have a question before you go Mm -hmm. further. Um, When you say lack of access to medical services, is this also including ABA, for example, or would that not be considered a medical?
2: I don't know if that's what the researchers are including here, but I would say I would I would hazard a guess that, yes, I think there is a severe lack of ABA services. Again, I mean, it, even if there's one in an hour drive around from your home, that's still, to me, a pretty severe lack if you have to drive an hour and an hour back each way. Um, so I'm, I'm sure there is a, a lack of uh, accessibility for that as well. Um, cool. Okay. Not cool. I always say cool. And it's most of the time when I come on, I'm not, it's not cool. Um, but the next thing to talk about is physician knowledge. Um, so this kind of goes in hand in hand with the shortage of healthcare services. So with physician knowledge, there's a lack of physician knowledge around autism, around managing care and supporting individuals. And most doctors will, will admit to that most, a lot of medical students will say that they just don't have the training in, in dealing with and working with folks with autism, unfortunately. Um, and what you might see a lot of um, is that some doctors will ascribe non-autism symptoms to a patient's autism. So what that might look like is you might bring your child in and say, little Johnny has GI problems. He's having tummy issues. And your doctor might say that that's because they have autism and move on. And if that happens, push back or try to find another doctor. Um, I'll kind of touch back, touch on that in, in a little bit. Um, but, you know, they you can still address those problems, even if your child has autism. You can go and say, no, 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 we need to look for ways to solve his tummy issues. And they might do this too with sleep and other issues. Um, One of the helpful things to explore here as well, um, when you find a lack of physician knowledge or before you go to a new doctor, um, or as a tool to help your child grow managing their own healthcare, is called Aspires Autism Healthcare Accommodations Tool. So this is A-A-S-P-I-R-E, Aspire's Autism Healthcare Accommodations Tool. That is much easier to say and remember. Um, and that one, absolutely Google, they have a bunch of examples. Um, and basically what it is, is it's a survey that helps an individual build a customized communication and sensory accommodation support builder that you can then give to the healthcare provider. So basically you can go do it for your child. As your child gets older, you might be able to do it with them. And then as your child gets even older, This is something they could potentially do on their own so that every time they go to a doctor, they may have a report that says, I can communicate in college level sentences, but I'm not necessarily understanding at that level. Or I am very sensitive to light. Or um, I'm very nervous about new procedures. Please let's do a mock procedure before I have something done. Um, And it gives a bunch of examples and a bunch of Um, ideas and things like that. And it's very lovely and very well written. So you can work with your child together and you can go through the survey. And then it's a two or three page document for the doctor that you can have in their medical chart that says, these are the things to know about my child that will make this session with him better for everyone. Um, So that is Aspire's Autism Healthcare Accommodations Tool, A-A-S-P-I-R-E, Aspire's Autism Healthcare Accommodations Tool. I totally recommend everyone look at it. Just Google it really quickly. That is a quick, uh, very quick, very easy tool to use. I checked it out myself beforehand. They have a bunch of mock PDF ones, and it's really neat. It gives a bunch of ideas of what you could say to your doctor as well, even if you don't print out and use the survey. Five minutes, totally recommend, was very, very cool. Um,
0: I have other barriers, but I'll pause. I'm just busy Googling these things so I can put up the links. Um, it took me a while to find the Echostat, but then I'm going to find the Aspire one. So you go right ahead, but that's what I'm doing.
2: Sounds good. Yeah, the Echostat one, I, I had a harder time with as well. Aspires, the moment I put it in, I found it, and it was awesome with a bunch of PDFs. Um, so highly, I can definitely recommend the Aspires. Again, I looked through those PDFs, and there was really cool, great information. It was awesome. That, and I like that it's a transition tool, so you can do it for your child as a toddler you can do it with them in middle school, et cetera. And then when they go and transition to dealing with their own medical uh, and healthcare, they can start filling out that survey for themselves and taking it and advocating for themselves. Um, so I think that was awesome. Um, and next, you have uh, a few language barriers. Um, just as a heads up, you know, multiple organizations have translated resources describing the signs of autism. Um, steps to take when those signs are detected, and summarizing support. So if you're having any language barrier issues, you can always reach out to us here at a card on the research team to Shannon. Um, and generally, we probably could find something that's been translated, fortunately. Um, Unfortunately, there is a lot of stigma around autism and having autism and going to the doctor. Um, If that's something that you're dealing with or something you want to have a conversation with with your child. um, You know, I just found this out that the Sesame Workshop introduced a Muppet with autism. So that's Shannon's nodding. She's like, I know that. Uh, So that sounds really cool. Um, And that might be something that where you can start to have a conversation as well.
0: Um, We've actually had Julia, the, the, the woman who plays Julia on the show. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Believe me, I geeked out yeah. on it. I think Nancy did too. Yeah. Um,
1: she was fantastic. And
0: she's, I'm sorry, Nancy, I interrupted you.
1: Oh, I just said she was
0: fantastic. And she's the mom of an individual on the spectrum. Right. Can we, can we get that plug in too? Okay. So I just put links to Echo Autism and Aspire on, so that if you're watching live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, those links are there right now for you. I also put the link to the Eric Garcia one because it was what I had uh, posted before, but there you have it. You have the article, the New York Times article. Uh, okay, Leah, go right ahead. Thank
2: you. Um, and I've, I've scrolled through da- uh, down through the comments while you were talking, Chan, and Thank you for posting those links. And I saw a few uh, questions as well. Um, and those I can definitely talk about um, as we continue, for sure. Um, Fabulous. Awesome. Um, so, there are some age different barriers as well. Um, so, you know, when your child is zero through 17, and this all kind of wraps up and touches on what we've already discussed, there's a limited expertise and capacity for ASC screening and diagnosis. And again, that goes back to that ECHOSTAT tool that might be useful. Um, there's a lack of awareness or insufficient insurance coverage um, for genetic screening following diagnosis. I won't get into that this time. I know we've talked about it on the show before. Um, but that's something to to think about. And there's a lack of clarity around referral pathways as well. Um, As your kid transitions between the ages of 16 and 25, it transitions off to adulthood. Um, You know, unfortunately, there's no or incomplete implementation of healthcare transition services. Um, This is, I think, known as the services cliff, um, where at 21 services just kind of stop, which um, is a serious bummer. Um, And there's a lack of clarity around the appropriate use of healthcare. Um, especially for higher functioning individuals. And there's again suboptimal physician awareness of healthcare needs. Um, and then once your child transitions up to adulthood and takes care of their medical needs potentially for themselves, there's communication difficulty, difficulties between phys- physicians and adults with ASD. Um, and that's where, you know, again, that ASPIRE tool might really be helpful for your child, where they can say, listen, this is a report, this is gonna help explain who I am and what I need. Um, there's a shortage of services or limited insurance to address mental health comorbidities, unfortunately. And again, there's another suboptimal awareness about the understanding of needs of aging adults with ASD. Um, and, you know, I'll, I talk all through this and and I have a bunch of so what's, you know, I, I do have a bunch of like, what can we do? Um, and, but I like to point out, you know, as we go through this, a lot of the research that I, I come to um, and, and show on this show, um, I feel like a lot of the times it's, you know, we already know this. I already know this. I have a child who's two, I've already done this. I don't, I have, I can't get him diagnosed, et cetera. Um, but it's important that we're doing the research on this so that we can take this research. And when I say we, I don't just mean caregivers of individuals with autism or individuals with autism, but I mean CARD and everyone who advocates for individuals with autism, that we can take the research and say, listen, this is important. This is what the research has been found and we need to put this into practice with our doctors, with especially with our medical students. And I think that is where we're going. They have been doing studies with medical students about providing more compassionate care, about providing more care with individuals with autism. Um, and this translates also over to, you know, asking about pronouns and being more thoughtful about the differences that everyone has. So I do have a lot of hope about one day that's getting a lot better and this is the first step this kind of literature review that says listen this is what we found um I have a bunch of ideas um, that Karen Nolte helped she's their director of research and has incredible ideas so if you ever have a problem definitely send us a note because we always get to consult with her and she's brilliant um (laughs) as is most honestly everyone at CARD they're just incredible people to work with Um, and, and so I'll go through that, but I'll pause really quickly before I go through all that to, to say any questions.
0: Phil <laughs> muted. I see what one person has written in, and I think it's the song of so many people. They say, I need someone to mediate for me. I've been dealing with this alone, and every time I ask for help, I lack communication required, and I shut down. And I think what, we've seen this across the board with adults that are on the spectrum that... Um, And, but we also see it with the caregivers, Leah, that like somebody wants to get help for their child, but to do all of the steps to get through it, it's almost like somebody needs to provide a social worker or, or a case worker or someone who can help you to jump through the hoops to get to the healthcare. So in all of this, what, what on your list would help with that?
2: I think, um, you know, as I go through looking at my list, I think and and I will say, you know, they're not social workers, but your ABA clinician, your behavior analyst, your BCBA may be able to help pinpoint how to connect all the ways of care and how to connect all the mediations. Um, So I would highly, highly recommend you talk to your BCBA about that. Again, they're not social workers. They're not therapists in that kind of way. But they will say, I understand you are burnt out, or I understand that you know doctor visits are something you really, really care about, and this is a big concern, and they will problem solve with you. And they will say, okay, how can we make sure you feel prepared? And that's where they will reach out to me and say, we need research that we can print out and I can give to this family. Or, you know, I need research on how best to make sure that this dentist appointment is going to go well and not be a struggle because dentist appointments are a struggle for everyone, Um, but especially for children who have potentially sensitive um, sensitivities. Um, You know, and and also those clinicians can say, you know, I know another family um, at the center who has an amazing doctor and I can recommend we can get you in touch, and I can make you. I can give you a recommendation, right? Um, and that's one of the things on my list. So I would, I would highly recommend. You know, talk to your clinician. Please don't be afraid to talk to them, and and be very honest with them, so that they can say. I can't help you. And, you know, I can't give you a counseling session. That's not what we do. But I can recommend you to a therapist. I can recommend you to a doctor who specializes in this and What if
1: they, But, Leah, what if they don't have a BCBA? This might be, I think this was coming from an older individual, too. What if they've aged out of working with a BCBA?
0: Can I just say, Nancy, that we, we have started something here in the state of California that will address this? Okay. Um, we have with self-determination from regional centers in the, in the state of California what you have is that you have a you, you have a caseworker who is assigned to you who gets paid out of your money that you get to do all the things you want who does exactly this who is sort of a you know uh, I don't know what the word is um, uh, not a gal Friday, but it's it's like your personal assistant who can mediate with doctors who can help you fill out the paperwork who makes sure that follows up with you because everybody is different. So you just might need a reminder to do the paperwork or you might need someone to help fill it out, right? But they now with self-determination, people have a, a person that is assigned to them to help them. I hope that somebody does some research on that, Leah, to see if people get access to better healthcare as a result of that and then have people fund that more.
2: Absolutely. I think, I mean, I, I think we need it. There's so much coordination of care, um, that it is just, it's absolutely required. So I, I hadn't heard about that for California. I'm glad we started it. I really hope someone is following and tracking the progress on those individuals who are using that service. Um, cause I can only imagine that it will be a huge benefit.
0: So you got about two minutes, Leah. What, what else do you want to throw at us?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, I would say, you know, um, prepare before going to the doctor. Bring appropriate documents. Again, this is where you can go to the Aspire tool. This is where you can take the ECHO stat um, and show it to your doctor. Keep all of your child's records and bring notes to appointments regarding what you want to cover. This also includes medications. If your child is taking medications, note what potential side effects might be happening. You can take data on that. You can say, watch your child and say, okay, I've noticed he keeps holding his head he's been getting headaches more etc um if you find that a doctor's not helpful you do not have to stick with that doctor um you can look for a new one um and in, please continue to find your doctor until you find one that's supportive of your child and their needs you can ask other parents this is again where you could talk to if you have an ABA provider they might be able to help put you in touch with a doctor that all the families go to or who you know someone had a really lovely experience with um, Um, and again, you know, I'm trying to be very succinct right now, but now I'm just pausing.
0: (laughs) We put the pressure on you to finish fast. Um, Um, you got a lot of information here to cover.
2: Um, you know, my biggest, the, my last really big takeaway that I think is really important is you just watch if, if you're looking for, when you're looking for a doctor, trust your gut. You know, if you feel like your, your doctor is not working for you, Trust your gut. If you feel this doctor does not work for your child, trust your gut. If you are seeing your child take this medication and you're seeing the difference, but it's not the difference you want, um, trust your gut. You know your child well and trust yourself. Um, And if you need help, reach out to your behavior analyst if you have one. If you don't, reach out to us at CARD, at Research for Center for Autism and Related Disorders. We will try our best to provide the resources that we have. We will try our best to let you know if there aren't resources, which is also something then that we put on the back burner and we say, listen, we've gotten 15 questions from parents about um, a, a, a coordinator of care, a person who coordinates care. Let's let's do research on that. Let's let's you know, we'll loan out a researcher and they'll do the coordination of care and we'll see if that will work. So we, we, we take this information and we, we distribute it and we try our best to make sure we are providing the best care for everyone. Um, so please reach out to us, please trust your gut. Um, and, and, you know, you guys know your children and, um, please, when you go to your doctor, just make sure that they address the cares you need them to address. And if they don't get a new doctor,
0: um, until you
2: find one that you like.
0: There we go we're gonna go over here for just a minute because i want to deal with some of the comments uh poker king wants to know if you know about 11q jacobson syndrome so maybe something to uh present to us on another day um uh, darren i wrote in to us about somebody that um positions themselves uh supposedly as someone who can cure autism We are not aware of that person or aware of those claims, um, Darren, so I'm going to choose not to comment on that, but to say to you, have no knowledge of that. And I think it's widely understood in the autism community that that language of somebody purporting to cure autism is not what is considered helpful to the community. Um, so I, I would be very wary of people making those kinds of claims on a couple of different levels. It means that they're a little bit um, tone deaf to start. And, and you know, and and to say that you can do that seems, um, what's the word I want? Irresponsible mm-hmm. um, is the word I think that I want. I also want to say to Badredine, who wrote in and told us about a book that they've written about their son, I will definitely check it out. Um, and and the documentary that you told us about. I will definitely check that out as well. That's all in the comments. I do wanna say to the person that we were talking to that Nancy, you appropriately had the sense that this was an adult. They said, I'm 33 and I'm, I'm Australian. And while you don't have the benefit of the lovely California self advocacy, I can tell you that in COVID, some of the advances that we have made are going to be helpful to people. If there's anybody that you know, whether it's a friend or a relative who can be of support to you when you go to the doctor, I know I have been on a a video call with people in another state for a friend to be there to support and to help ask questions and to take notes for them to go over it afterward. And so if you have anyone in your life who can do that, you know, ask your doctor. I think more people have more technology to be able to do that kind of thing to help you to advocate. I know just recently my son went for a checkup for the first time where he was the, he's 18 now, and he was going to drive the bus on it. And so we sat down and made a list of all the things that he was going to talk with the doctor about, and he had it on his phone. And, you know, I think for everybody that that's a good thing to do. But if you need somebody to help support you with the list, ask for friends and family. If somebody's willing to do that, they can do it long distance. And if nobody can go to your, whatever your local support and ask, is there somebody who can help me with this? I bet you that there's somebody who would be willing to do that for you. Everybody needs that. That's not just people on the spectrum. They tell you if you're going to the doctor to talk about anything substantive, take somebody with you. If you can't have them on Zoom, if all else fails, record the thing and take it to somebody afterwards and walk through it afterwards. Nancy, is there any, or or Leah, or anything you want to share with any of that? I'll throw in, you know, you you said you can use Zoom. That is true
2: also about, you know, one hopefully positive thing coming out of COVID is that telehealth and televisits are becoming much more regular. Most people are offering them and um, your insurance companies are typically covering them. This is true for ABA services as well. So, you know, definitely explore that option both with your doctors and with your behavior Behavior analyst, if that's something that would work for you and your family, absolutely. Amen to that.
1: Nancy, last thoughts. Um, I just want to thank Leah for coming on. We could talk Not about kidding. this for another hour, but uh, really yeah. illuminating. And thank you to all of our viewers for writing in.
0: Absolutely, we got a big week next week. Um, really looking forward. Uh, we on Tuesday we are having Lisa Ackerman from Taka that is the Autism Community in Action. And I want to let everybody know that she has some free passes to, I believe it's the 35th uh, TACA conference that's happening this fall. And we've got some free tickets. If you want to win one of those free tickets to the conference, which is amazing. And I think there's at least a portion of it that you can do uh, online. So everybody should want these free tickets. You got to tune in on Tuesday to see Lisa Ackerman with us. And she's going to give us the 411 on a bunch of things that we need to catch up with her on, including, I think she's gonna be talking about the new data that's about to come out of the CDC with prevalence numbers and how it is not the same data that we looked at before, so you should not be measuring it against the old data. Um, so hopefully we're going to talk about that and so many other things And on Wednesday, we've got Dr. Doreen Grampuche. I'm just going to say this, put this out there. Wednesday is my birthday. If you you have to be here, you need to tune in, um, because I get to talk to Doreen Grampuche, Dr. Doreen Grampuche on my birthday on the show. And maybe we'll have some fun things for you, uh, cause it's my birthday. So, uh, tune in on, on those days. Then on Thursday, we've got Bonnie Yates back with us. And, uh, and then. We, we do not have a show next week for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, because Dr. Grant Fichet and I are speaking at a conference um, that's in Arizona. But um, that's sort of our week next week. It's a short week, but a big week. So make sure that you tune in. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And give yourselves a hug from me. Thanks for joining us today. bye you so much for having us.